Mindfulness mode, 80. Focus on the balance of the beer. Decide what this one is for you. Is it more bitter or is it more sweet? And I think that maybe you'll find yourself really in the moment uh, with that beer. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining us here in Mindfulness Mode. To thank you for listening, I'll send you a free copy of my book. I teamed up with author Brian Tracy, along with some other entrepreneurs, to create the best-selling book called Cracking the Success Code. You'll learn more about my story and how I became an anti-bullying advocate, which later led to mindfulness and my mindfulness coaching. Get the book free at mindfulnessmode.com slash cracking. Enter your name and email and you'll have your book downloaded in no time. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Justin Crosley on the line today. Hey, Justin, are you in mindfulness mode? Well, I've got one of my favorite pale ales in front of me, so if that's any uh, indication, yes, I am in mindfulness mode. Well, that's great, and I've got a couple of ales in front of me too, so this is fantastic. Justin Crosley drinks beer for a living. At least that's what he told us from the stage at a recent event where he was a featured speaker. Justin founded the Brewing Network in 2005, grouping together a multimedia beer lovers resource, which leads the way in sharing information about craft beer, beer radio shows, podcasts, video, and live events. Justin not only enjoys beer, he enjoys being mindful and uses his knowledge of mindfulness to stay focused with as many beer-related responsibilities. So, Justin, great to have you here. Tell Mindful Tribe, what does mindfulness actually mean to you? You know, mostly mindfulness means to me uh, being present, uh, very much aware of your surroundings. Uh, and, and in my case, it also has to be aware of my own uh, biology quite well. Uh, the fact that I do drink beer for a living doesn't mean that I'm a drunk. For a <laughs> so I actually, I, my job is to taste beer and, and talk about beer, but I also need to uh, be able to keep speaking and being mindful. And uh, as an interviewer myself, I have to uh, conduct interviews and keep going, uh, despite, uh, you know, putting a little alcohol in my system all through my shows and the different events that we do. So to me, uh, being mindful is is very much being aware of uh, my surroundings and how they affect me and uh, how what I'm putting in my body affects me in that environment. That's cool. So, so Justin, is it more difficult to be mindful once you've had a few or is it easier? (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's the answer to that is both because there is a fine line between the two. So in my 10 years, a little more, almost 11 years now, gosh, uh, of doing podcasts, um, I believe that maybe there's only one interview I've ever done without a beer in my glass. And it's because I was on antibiotics or some ridiculous thing. Uh, So on one hand, uh, beer helps me uh, loosen up, uh, lighten up a little bit and, and focus. But you know, you have two or three beers in too uh, short of order, and then the opposite happens. Right. <laughs> I stop becoming mindful. My mind drifts to other places, and it's kind of like trying to meditate when you, you know, all those thoughts just keep popping into your head and you, you can't really focus. Yeah. It's the result of too much beer in the middle of an interview for me. Sure. So when did you discover that there was a connection between beer and mindfulness? 
I don't know that I actually had a moment where I discovered it. I think I just knew that not only between myself, but my guests that I was interviewing, if we had a beer before the interview, everybody was feeling better to open up and communicate and be present uh, in my studio. Uh, Those guests that refused to do that and felt, no, I I better take this seriously, honestly, always give the worst interviews to me. Um, So like I said, I don't know if there was a moment. I think I just noticed, I think this is true for the the beverage beer throughout human history. Um, it's a very social beverage. It, it does open us up to each other. It, it just helps. It's a very communal beverage. And to me, that goes uh, hand in hand with mindfulness because you become present with the, the people that you're with, the people that you're sharing it with. So I think it was more of a process for me of just realizing that this beverage actually helped us mentally as well. Well, that makes perfect sense. And the thing is, I think we're we're too serious a lot of the time. Sometimes I think I'm too serious, that's for sure. And and so, you know, I have a beer, I kind of relax a little bit and, and I enjoy that. So maybe yeah. I'll have a beer right now. There you go. It helps every time. <laughs> so you have a pale ale. Well, I, I went out locally and being here in Canada, of course, we have we have some some independent breweries and this one I'm looking at it's called Maple Porter and it's made with Canadian maple syrup so that's an interesting one isn't it beautiful a lot of uh, craft breweries will source local ingredients I think it's a great way to do an artisan beer um, those craft breweries aren't really sending that beer too far from the brewery sure. so why not use ingredients that are familiar with uh, your locale I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, this beer is called Tailgate, and it's by a company called Grand River Brewing. And uh, that looks interesting. It says, an an easygoing brew that's comfortable almost anywhere by the sizzle of a barbecue, the roar of a crowd, or the quiet of a summer night. So maybe I'll try that one. Oh, it says it's a lager. Let's give that a, a little try now. Justin... I think it's it's really interesting that I I noticed earlier when I was doing some research that there's there's mindfulness that you can do that's completely connected to beer it's it's meditation and mindfulness and how do you think you would like to meditate with beer being your focus here let me open this I I love the idea. Uh, for me, beer is more than than just the simple beverage that it is. It's actually quite complex. There's a science and an art to making it. So for me, it seems like the perfect object because it would give me so much uh, of the different process to think about. The people that make it, the ingredients, the, the science, the art. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is I need something like that that's multifaceted to focus on, I think, to help my mindfulness. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me see how this beer tastes. And, you know, speaking of taste, I want to ask you about additives. Now, I know that some beer has a lot of additives and sometimes it can make you feel a little strange just because of the additives. Do uh, craft beers usually avoid a lot of additives? They do, and it does depend on how one defines additives. Um, In general, Beer, both made by the very large companies and the small companies, are made with all natural ingredients. And there's really not much uh, in the form of additives that needs to be there. Uh, Even the preservative value uh, uh, in beer comes from a natural ingredient. It comes from hops. Um, So there is one difference, and and that's what we call adjuncts. Okay, And so... Mm -hmm. the larger breweries of the world who are really making you know millions and millions of barrels of beer every year, uh, they use what are called adjuncts. And those are uh, things like rice, 
um, or even just plain sugar. And that adds a, a fermentable to the beer so that you can get that alcohol volume up a little bit okay. uh, in a very cheap manner. Now, craft breweries tend to be called all malt beers. They don't use adjuncts in general, uh, with a few exceptions. So they use just barley to get the sugar. All different kinds of barley products to, to make different flavors, but it's just barley and it's not rice or plain sugar. Uh, so I think that's one main difference with craft beer is that they're using more expensive but higher quality ingredients to make that beverage. Oh, well, that's that's very, very interesting. You know, I'm looking at some of these other beers I've got here. And, and speaking of the big breweries, I know Labatt's is one of the big ones. And, and John Labatt was from the city. I'm from London, Ontario. And so I'm sure with Labatt's blue beer, it has it has that adjunct that you mentioned because they make so much of it, right? Absolutely. And by the way, I have drank my fair share of Labatt's Blue. I've got some friends up in Toronto that I spend time with. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they would uh, very likely use rice as a main fermentable in their beer. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with this product. It is not mm-hmm. more harmful than, uh, you know, for you than barley or anything else. It just has a different uh, flavor profile. And that flavor profile tends to be uh, lighter, uh, a little more bland for, for people like me who, who want a bolder beer. Um, but there's nothing wrong with with using it. Um, it's just a, a cheaper way to make a different flavor. I see. Well, I, I wonder what you think about some of the darker beers like Guinness. When I would go out with my friends, sometimes I think, well, you know, I got, I'm going to be driving, so I'm just going to drink a very small amount, not too much beer. And it always seemed to work if I got a beer like Guinness. I would just sip it a little bit and I didn't drink too much of it. Um, then I, I felt I could be really mindful too. What about you? So interestingly, Guinness is almost always the lowest alcohol beer at a bar. Okay. Uh, most people don't know that because it's so big and dark and flavorful. It seems like it must be higher in alcohol. But just as a general rule, you're already on the right track. If you're looking to stay mindful and have a lower alcohol beer, maybe you're driving that night. Mm-hmm. Guinness is almost always a perfect example. It's like a 4.2% alcohol, something somewhere in there. Oh, I didn't know that. Whereas your average pale ale that I drink is going to be 6% alcohol or more. Um, So a person like me uh, who uh, drinks quite a lot of beer, I can have a couple 6% beers and still be pretty mindful. I can be very present and and functional and I'm fine. Um, There are others, though, who might be used to drinking Labatt's Blue, right, which is also a lower alcohol beer. You put a couple of 6% beers in them, and now I think your mindfulness is going to start getting a little bit cloudy. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, This is something to note. With craft beer coming on the market, it used to be that all beers were about the same alcohol content. They were somewhere between, you know, 3.8% and 4.2%. And and that's not a very big difference, by the way. Uh, Well, with the rise of craft beer, boy, sometimes these beers you order are 10, 12%. Um, so I think you should be mindful of the beer that you're ordering and make sure you know how much alcohol it has in it. Definitely. And always be careful about driving and, you know, operating any machinery or anything like that, obviously. Yeah. Big proponents of that on the show. Always talking about being safe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I know you always have a lot of laughs on your show. I was looking here at this, this guy from Australia who really loves to drink beer and he talks about meditating and beer. And he says, I would recommend uh, beer meditation to anyone. Now this guy is an opera singer in Australia and I'm like, wow, his name is David Corcoran. And he says this, and maybe you can identify with this. He says, 
My taste buds are excited. My stomach is aflame with refreshing sensations, and I feel a deep sense of contentment. Can you relate to that, Justin? <laughs> I really do it right now. As well. <laughs> My yep. stomach is not a flame yet. Is yours? <laughs> no, not quite yet. But I know what he's talking about. I know what he's getting at. He's using the experience of some of his favorite beer drinking moments mm-hmm. to point to different parts of his body, right? Uh, and and how he might react to them, which is pretty interesting to me because most of the time, I'll be honest, we we just we drink beer because it's refreshing, and, and we'll right. talk about uh, we'll really dive into it if we're in the middle of an interview. But the rest of the time, I'm not spending the entire beer drinking experience thinking about every uh, part of what that beer is doing to me, how it goes down uh, my esophagus and into the stomach, and what that might feel like. But I like his idea. I could see right. that as being a point of focus. I like that too. I really like it. I think, man, he's so expressive. And as as an opera singer, I'm sure he's extremely creative. And so he says it's not about binge drinking and getting sloshed, but, but how does beer really make you feel? We all like to feel good. And of course, we all like to feel good. And so, you know, why not have a beer once in a while as long as we're not like overdoing it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of a a friend of mine who owns a a craft beer bar here in the Bay Area in California. Mm -hmm. And he puts on a a big beer festival called the Double IPA Festival. Oh, yeah. uh, Which means that they're very hoppy, big, bitter beers. And he has a theory about these beers. And the theory starts with this. uh, That is that hops that are in all beer, by the way, some in tiny amounts and some in very large amounts, um, are actually in the same family as cannabis. They're a cousin of the cannabis plant. Uh, they don't have any THC in them. They don't have uh, properties like that. But they are a very close cousin to the cannabis plant. Now, his theory is that he notices a difference in the happiness, the joyfulness of his customers at his double IPA festival than he does any other festival he does. And he thinks that it's the amount of hops that are in those beers and them being a cousin of marijuana. Now, he's not saying everyone's walking around stoned at his double IPA. (laughs) But what he is saying is that he really believes there's a difference in how joyful the people at that particular festival feel. And he thinks it's because of the hops. Well, isn't that interesting? Well, you know what? I want to talk about boundaries. We've talked a bit about that already, but how do I enjoy beer on a a fairly regular basis without getting a beer gut? Because that's something you don't have, Justin. How can I be like that? Well, uh, listen, sometimes I do. I'm going to be honest (laughs) with you. I'm either sucking it in or uh, taking a little break that month. Um, With craft beer in particular, this is a very difficult thing. Uh, because it's all high in uh, calories and, and carbs, right? Okay. I asked a good brewer friend of mine um, from Gordon Biersch out here in California a long time ago, um, hey, what makes a light beer? Because everyone knows, you know, there's Bud Light and Miller Light, and even yes. at the time he was making a, a light beer. And he was very honest with me. He said, uh, oh, yeah, that, it, it's simple. We add water. Okay, that is simple. So they make, a, they make a normal beer like everybody else, and then they water it down, and that's a light beer. And that's how you get less uh, calories and carbohydrates. Now, most of the calories that come uh, from beer are actually from the alcohol, not from the, not from the malt. Oh. The carbohydrates come from the malt, but the calories come from the alcohol. So lower alcohol beers will give you less calories. Um, the other thing, you got to be active while you do it. Of and course. I, 
I think this is why craft beer is so cool. There, there's so many events. There are bike rides for craft beer. There are craft beer walks. There are craft beer. You name it. Uh, there's a hiking club here uh, for craft beer. And if you're not active even for uh, a little bit of the week, you are going to get that beer belly. Well, a lot of people find that they can be active and be mindful at the same time. You know, they're mountain climbing and that's, that's the, the mindful thing for them or they're swimming or whatever happens to be. So if you can combine beer and being active or if you can be active, be mindful and then have a beer later, isn't yes. that all good? Absolutely. I think that's the perfect combination. Yeah, There's I one more thing I would add that you should be mindful about. And this is another thing that the, my Gordon Biersch friend told me. Most of the time, what happens when you drink beer is you stop being mindful and you start eating potato chips and chicken uh, wings. Yeah. <laughs> so. so his comment always to me was instead of switching to light beer, try having two handfuls less of potato chips when you're out <laughs> drinking. And so you want to be mindful of what it does to your appetite uh, or even your self-control, right, when you're out having a few beers. Um, you know, don't have Taco Bell in the middle of the night. No, no. That's hard to avoid sometimes, you know, eating while you're having a beer. At least I find, you know, I want some chips or some wings or a burger or something. Exactly. And that's where a lot of the beer gut comes from. So it's a combination of both. And so you got to be mindful of that. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I'll I'll keep an eye on that and make sure I'm not filling my face when I'm having a beer every (laughs) single time. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, there's so many ways to be mindful. and, And I never really thought of mindfulness being connected to beer drinking until I heard you in Tampa at the event, the PodFest event. And you know, just the way you were talking about beer and sharing your experiences and everything, I thought, well, yeah, you're a mindful guy for sure. So you obviously have a lot of work to do with the the network and all the responsibilities, but how do you stay mindful as you do all this work overseeing all these things? You know, that's a good question, and I don't know that I have an exact answer for you. Um, Maybe I missed this part of my mindful uh, definition, but I really care about what I do. I I really care about the people that I work with. Um, At that podcast conference, I really care about delivering a useful message to people, uh, albeit in an entertaining way, because I, I do consider myself more of an entertainer than anything. Um, so I think by, I think the fact that I just really <laughs> maybe worry a little too much and care so much about how, what the end result is going to be really keeps me mindful of what I'm doing. The other part of that, to be honest with you, is I really never want a real job. And I'm so focused on not having to get a real job, which means I can't fail at this beer thing, that I'm constantly mindful of how and focused of what I need to do to keep this going and make it grow and, and make it better. So did it take a long time for you to kind of get get this whole thing going and actually get it to be your career, to make money for you? Did that take a long time? It took quite a while. Uh, we're in our we're coming up in our 11th year. We'll have our 11th anniversary in June. And I so I started in 2005 out of my garage. Uh, I was recently out of college and um, we struggled for I, I didn't make a dime for four years, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, you rack up the credit cards, you do what you can. Uh, I worked three jobs. I, I had a couple of radio jobs and a bartending job at the time. And yeah, it, it took quite a while. And there was a moment where I was ready to, to throw in the towel. 
Um, it just, you know, we had a lot of listeners on the podcast, but we didn't have any sponsors. We weren't getting support. I was out of money. The credit cards were racked up. Um, and we just kind of gave it one more push. I didn't want to give up. I just was feeling like maybe we're defeated here. And I just, we focused, we, we did one more big event and, you know, I think a lot of it was luck. The phone started ringing when we came back and, and sponsors started signing up. And, and just that small amount of momentum helped me to then grab onto it and keep it going and, and just go for the next thing. So um, I don't know that I was too mindful in the beginning. I think I was uh, scraping and struggling and trying to get through it. But once I started to see the results uh, of, of our labors, I think maybe that's when I became a little more focused and mindful. Right. Well, I'm sure glad that you hung in there because, man, you have a lot of listeners and, and it's obvious you have so much fun. It sounds like you have so much fun when you're broadcasting live and you've got your colleagues there and you're talking about things and sharing really valuable information and great content. But at the same time, it sounds like you're relaxed and having fun. You really are, right? Absolutely. That was always the point, too. I wanted a job that I that I like. I do make fun of myself that I'm, I'm the laziest person. <laughs> And you know, and, uh, but we work hard so that we don't have to work hard, I think is the best way to describe it. And I always wanted to have fun at work. You know, my parents both had careers that they just hated and I saw what it did to them. And I see what it does to a lot of people who have jobs they don't like. And my thought was always, if, if we have to spend such a enormous amount of our time on this planet working, and we really do, if you think about it, yeah. um, then it better be something that, that I enjoy. Because otherwise, what a waste of our of our time here. And I really always felt that. That's always been in the back of my mind that uh, I don't have a lot of time here. And, and I want the time that I do have here uh, to be as much fun as possible. Well, you know yeah. what? I think that's so awesome. And you know what? That's mindfulness in itself. Just stopping and thinking, what am yeah. I doing? Like, why am I spending all this time on this job I can't stand, you know, hey, Mindful Tribe, think about Justin, what he did, how he hung in there and really made it work so he didn't have to answer to a boss, so he could do what he wanted and share with the world at the same time. So, Justin, like, I really, I applaud you for hanging in there and and doing your thing, and it is mindful. Well, thank you. And I think... You know, as you're talking to your listeners, the other thing to think about, this was this was part of my motivation, is I also saw what the opposite did, uh, what it does to people's bodies, what stress does to people, what it does to their lifestyle, what it does. I mean, it just, it can make you not only miserable, but physically ill and all of these things. So it's such a snowball effect of spending more of your time doing something that you love, as opposed to really doing something that makes you uncomfortable and that you hate. Yeah, for sure. And it's and you know what? I honestly, honestly believe there's nothing wrong with just hanging loose and and having a, a drink once in a while if you're responsible about it. I mean, there are lots of people that aren't that responsible with it. But, you know, like, let's just enjoy life and relax and have fun and uh, yeah, have our limits. Absolutely. Hey, Justin, I want to ask you, do you meditate? Is that part of your life? It's not. It ne- You know, I- I'll admit that I did try it years ago. I have oh, yeah? a lot of friends who were doing it. 
I had this great psychology professor in college who made me meditate once. He's the only one who was able ever to get me to feel like I was actually meditating. Mm -hmm. He he said, he looked at me in class one day and was like, man, you look like you have the weight of the world on your face every Mm -hmm. single day. And I want you to come, uh, just come see me after class. We're going to meditate real quick and, and then I'll leave you alone. And it was really cool, but I was never able to do it again myself. I have a hard time sitting still. <laughs> to be honest. Well, so. well, you're obviously a doer. You're always thinking about ideas and and stuff in my right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes, yeah, I, I went to a shrink a few years ago. I don't mind talking about this kind of stuff. I think, yeah. by the way, everybody, it, whether you think you're sane or not sane, everyone should see it shrink for a little while. Yeah. One of the things he pointed out to me, he said, you're a doer, just like you said. And he said, I think that what you should remember sometimes is that you're a human being and not a human doing. And you spend your whole life doing, you're never going to do any being. And I think that in the end, you're, gonna, you're not going to feel too great about that. And I think about that all the time because he's right. I'm always moving on to the next thing and I'm not very good at stopping just to be for a minute. And that's a mindfulness message. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good one. I think he makes an excellent point. Um, I think we're a product of our environment. I, I, you know, I I was raised as a doer. Uh, That's what I was rewarded for. I think a lot of people are like that. And then I think when you come into adulthood and you make your own habits, um, that's what you draw from. And not all of those habits are excellent. I'm proud that I get things done and that I've been able to create what I've created. But at the same time, there's a cost for always doing. And I think, uh, you know, some balance is, is a better method. So, Justin, have you ever consciously changed your habits in order to sort of achieve an outcome? <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. And some of those are, uh, you know, work habits and different things. Uh, mm-hmm. I could give you specifics if you want. But yeah, a few years ago, about about four years ago, I started doing that, realizing that in some cases I was my own worst enemy. Yeah, well, I just finished reading The Power of Habit, and I thought, man, this is really, really powerful stuff, you know, because, uh, you know, we don't sometimes think about the habits that we that we have in our lives and, and some of the automatic things we do. And, I mean, mindfulness is just stopping and thinking about those things. And then if we realize, hey, I can change my habits or I can start a new habit, which will be a good habit to achieve something I want – then, you know, that can be that can be a really good thing. And then later, I have more time to relax and have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And those are the things to be aware of. You know, when, yeah, when you're in the moment, when you're in your habits and not thinking about that stuff, you don't realize maybe how inefficient you're being or, or how much damage you're doing. Uh, it, it's only when you kind of stop and, and realize what you're talking about. Maybe you actually gain some time back to, you know, like you said, enjoy a beer. Yeah, for sure. So what's the funniest thing that ever happened when you were broadcasting live, Justin? Can you think of a funny story you can tell us? Because, man, I love to laugh, and I think that's a big part of mindfulness. <laughs> oh, man. God, there's there's so many of them. Um, I, I don't know if this is funny or, or tragic, but years ago, we did a, a show where we wanted to um, – well, we put a stripper pole in the studio and we wanted us all to dance on the pole as part of our radio. Uh, it was our Christmas show and we thought, I don't know, we're degenerates anyway. 
<laughs> well, one of my co-hosts just thought he was the best dancer uh, that there was, and he climbed to the top of this pole, and he swung around like a professional, and then he fell off oh. of the pole, and actually he shattered his ankle. Um, not the funny part, of course, with the breaking of the ankle, but the hubris of this guy to jump up on the top of the pole. About a week later when he uh, was all in a cast and ready to go again, that's when we found it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, we've done a lot of crazy things. We were young when we started. I think we've mellowed out quite a bit lately. Um, now we just try to tell jokes and have a good time and not get quite so insane in the studio. Yeah, well, it's a lot of fun to tell jokes, that's for sure. But I, I want to kind of turn things into a serious vein for a second and because I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time and I've seen how mindfulness can really make a big difference in the lives of people who've been bullied. I'm wondering, Justin, if you have any stories about bullying and how mindfulness might have made a difference. You know, I was bullied a little as a kid. Um, I guess I'm thinking, you know, the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, maybe even a little bit younger than that. Yeah. And not because I was always a tall kid, but I just was a really polite and nice. And, and I just I couldn't really understand why anybody would want to hit anybody or now, fight. Did, did you grow up in Canada, Justin? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, Where did you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the high desert of California. Ah. Um not not like the Canadians. We are not the sweetest people on earth <laughs> in the desert. Not like the Canadians. I don't know how I got that. Just kind of a meek attitude. But I always just thought, hey, we're all friends here. Why are we, why sure. are we not smiling with each other? Right. And so if I would get picked on, I wouldn't really stand up for myself. And, you know, there was a time or two that that was detrimental. I, I don't know how mindfulness would help me. I felt like I was being mindful at the time by assessing the situation and realizing, well, this person is angry and I don't understand why. I'm not angry. I think I was being mindful of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I needed to be mindful that there was danger about to occur. I spent so much time focusing on how I was feeling peaceful that I I didn't even realize the situation was about to turn dangerous. Before I knew it, I was on the ground. Right. Okay. So thinking back, would you have done something different? <laughs> I would have ran. Instead <laughs> of stood there and tried to make peace, I might have just turned and run. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah. the making peace didn't work out for you. Is that right? Well, there were times that it did, and 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 actually enough times that I haven't changed that behavior. Um, so. Now I work in the bar business as well. I I own a tap house and Mm -hmm. I run two yearly beer festivals, which bring out thousands of people. And at the end of the day at either a bar or a beer festival, people aren't at their best and they don't really have their wits about them. And it's always been my tactic to get involved if people were getting aggressive and talk them out of it. Um, And so actually, I do think that it still works uh, being a peacemaker. Now, maybe I'm more mindful of the danger so I know when not to get involved. But I always believe that trying to, to appeal to somebody's sensibilities is a better way to end a conflict. Oh, I do too. I really agree. I'm a peacemaker too. So uh, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely part of mindfulness. Justin, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced you to be more mindful? 
that psychology professor that I mentioned who made me meditate once, the other thing that he taught me, he taught the whole class this. He said, you guys should watch how your brain works. Uh, when you react to something, you're, uh, well, you're having a reaction. And a lot of you just do that and don't pay attention to what the reaction is. Try to set yourself aside from yourself and watch what happened in your brain and, and how you reacted. And if you can do that, you'll learn so much more about yourself because you know what makes you tick. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Justin? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to admit I'm a really emotional guy. I I just am. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a pretty emotional guy. Um, I think it's affected me. Mindfulness, it it just helps me be aware of that, that other people aren't like me and that sometimes I can make them uncomfortable by spilling my emotions all over the place. (laughs) And I have to be mindful of that and know when and where to kind of rein that in. So tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. All right. This is, I'm glad you asked this question. Breathing is maybe one of the only things I have done uh, consistently. And this was, my psychiatrist got me into this. Um, So a lot of times I can't sleep at night and really focusing on laying there and taking deep breaths in and out because my mind is just crazy. It's going a million miles an hour. But if I'm just focused on, on breathing in and breathing out, it really helps to slow me down. It's one of the only times that I think I'm, I'm being particularly mindful by doing a physical activity cool you know? yeah so if you could recommend a book which is on mindfulness or related to it what would that book be hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna do two and one of them you're not gonna and, and every every podcaster knows this book anyway but the four hour work week actually really helped me one thing it got me to stop doing i don't check emails after 8 p.m anymore I discovered that I was checking emails and finding problems that I couldn't fix anyway and thinking about them all night. Well, why think about them all night if I can't fix it till 8 a.m. anyhow? So it just gave me a couple little tips and tricks like that. Another one that I found really good is called Hamlet's Blackberry. And that's about technology in our world now. We're all, you know, you walk into any room and everyone's staring at their phone, right? Yeah. Well, Hamlet's Blackberry doesn't talk about technology as being bad. It talks about it as having its place and that it's always had its place in history, back from the stone tablet all the way up to the iPhone. And if we can spend a little more time being mindful of its use as a tool rather than as a crutch, we'll really get more out of it and probably then spend more time with our friends and our family instead of our screen. So I highly recommend that book. Well, that takes me right into my next question. Uh, Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Oh, I don't know. You might have to help me if this is a mindful app or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only apps that I really use are organizational apps that Mm -hmm. I use consistently. Uh, before I used organizational tools like that, my company was in chaos. It had so many moving parts with the shows and the festivals. And, um, so I use Basecamp, um, which is, um, project management software. And I use Todoist, which is a great app just as a simple to-do list. And like I said, you have to help me if this is being mindful for me without these tools, um, to, my mind's kind of just scattered about the things I have to get done. And this helps me rein it into a manageable place. Yeah, Justin, I absolutely totally think that's being mindful because, you know, your mind is just scattered when you don't have these tools to help you. At least mine is, you know, like I'm thinking, oh, I got to get my act together. I 
got to get organized. What's going on? And, you know, yeah. and then you get these apps or you get some sort of an organizational process in place and it just helps you to just relax and live in the moment, right? And yeah, absolutely. And for that matter, it changed the face of my company. It made us more productive. We, we get more things done. So I have to say that uh, it was one of the biggest changes of my life was to use tools like that. Great. So what advice would you give to a person, Justin, who's new to the idea of mindfulness? Maybe they like to have a beer now and then, and they'd like to start like being a little bit more mindful in their life. Well, first I would, uh, I would say choose your beer wisely. Mm-hmm. Pick something that you really enjoy and think about what you do like. Do you like sweet? Do you like bitter? Um, And then the alcohol content, like we kind of mentioned earlier in the show. So uh, I'm going to say it it would help you to sit down. I actually like the, the, I'm going to take a little from this Australian guy you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Sit down with a beer, that whether it's your favorite or something new you want to try, and just focus on the balance of the beer. Let's forget about the balance of ourselves for a second. I think that's the ultimate goal, but let's focus on the balance of the beer. Beer is two things. It's sweet and it's bitter. And the brewer who makes it gets to play with those two components. And that's how we design beer. Sometimes they're more sweet. Sometimes they're more bitter. Focus on the balance of the beer. Decide what this one is for you. Is it more bitter or is it more sweet? And I think that maybe you'll find yourself really in the moment uh, with that beer. That's great advice, Justin. Wow, it has been just great to spend this time with you, and the time has just flown by. How can we learn more about what you do and maybe contact you and connect with you? You can go to thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, our contact information is there. Most of those email addresses on the page go straight to me. Um, so you can learn about all that we do. All our shows are there. Our videos there. Our events are there. Um, so check it out. And hey, I'm stoked to be here too. Thanks for, for having me on. This has been a blast. My pleasure, Justin. All the best to you. And next time I have a brew, I'll raise a glass to you and to the Brewing Network. So take care. Yeah, bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.